Hey guys, welcome back to the Life by Taylor podcast where we learn and grow together. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a subject that I am so passionate about sharing and teaching other people. In the last six months or so, I would say that I went really deep into learning as much about this as possible and implementing it has had such a dramatic effect on my life in terms of my physical health, my spiritual well-being, my inner peace. It really changed so much for me. And not only has it helped me, as a coach, I really do share what I learn with my clients. Obviously, when I learn new things, I apply it to my coaching. And some of the stories I'm going to tell you today about how it's also changed clients' lives might sound hard to believe. And if I'm being completely honest, I get it. But obviously, everything I'm saying here is true. And I'm really excited to share this with you all. So let's talk about what the subject is because I haven't said anything about it yet. And the reason I haven't is because... I feel like I really do need to lure people into this because if you were just to see this as a subject, I don't think people would understand how relevant it is to their lives. When I would see this as a subject before it was something that was so personal to me, I rejected it. I was like, okay, whatever, another one of those spiritual woo-woo concepts and I would dismiss it very easily. But it was only when my body forced me to dive deep into this subject that I did and it's changed everything. So what is it? Let's start with the story of how I got to it. And last thing before I begin, it's going to sound like this episode is for women, but it's actually for men and women. If anything, I would say it's more for men than women. So I've been in LA for a while now, actually. I've been here since September. I came here and I set out on a mission. I was given one year by my dad to prove myself, to show that my life path is one that he can support and Before that, he was very against my choices. He really wanted me to go further my education. He wanted me to get a more serious job, quote unquote. And we came to this agreement that I have one year. And and we finally just came to this common ground and decided that I should be given at least one year to try my own thing. So I set out on this goal with a lot of ambition, fire in my eyes. Like I was not going to stop. I was going to bust my ass, prove myself to myself, to him and achieve everything I wanted. I was working so hard building the group program and making content and just trying to do everything at the highest level. I took no days off. I worked all day, all night. I was working on weekends. And I remember I was busting my ass really the hardest I've ever worked in my life to the point where my dad, who is a very hard worker and who I never thought I would ever hear him say this, but he was like, listen, you're gonna burn out. You need to, you need to chill. You need to stop working so hard. For the, for the people who know my dad or even just the character that my dad is through listening to the podcast, you understand how insane that is that he would say that. I really started to feel manic. I started to feel like I was running on a thousand miles per hour and it was almost obvious to me that I wasn't going to stop until I crash. The nature of our body is that it really doesn't let us get away with doing that. So So I started to feel completely burnt out, depressed. I did crash. Like I felt that it was coming and it did. I hit a brick wall and I would say it took me like three to four months to come out of that burnout, which is so sad because when we are working so hard, it's because we want to be efficient and then our body will force us to stop for a long time. It took me a really long time to get back to productivity, to gain back my motivation, to find a healthy balance with work. When I went to the doctor during that time, The doctor said, listen, you have extremely high levels of testosterone. And 
I remember as I was working so hard that even around the time that my menstrual cycle would come up, I used to complain and be like, oh, it's so unfair that I'm a woman. I hate that I have to stop working. I hate that my body makes it harder for me to work and that guys can just power through every week of the year and I have to slow down one of the weeks and I'm gonna work despite having my period, I don't care. And I literally drove my body to a hormonal imbalance where I had really high levels of testosterone and really low levels of estrogen. And and being someone who is spiritually aware, I do what the doctor says. You know, I really do believe in Western medicine, of course, but I also like to understand the deeper spiritual meaning behind any physical ailment because I do see the body, mind, and soul as one entity. So I started to read about these hormonal imbalances and testosterone levels and whatever, and it brought me to this subject. And the reason this subject is relevant for everyone is because we all need to find the balance between these two parts of us. The part of us that wants to hustle and work and get shit done, and the part of us that needs to rest, the part of us that needs to just be, the part of us that needs to flow with life. And in spirituality, these two parts are referred to as the masculine and the feminine. In each one of us, whether you're a man or a woman, we have both. We have our masculine, we have our masculine energy and our feminine energy. And I am not an expert on this. Like I said, this is a subject that I recently dived into. And unlike other topics, this is a this is a relatively new topic for me. I do know a lot about it because I went down a rabbit hole of reading a lot and applying a lot of the things that are recommended to my life. But of course, I am still very much a student of this. But it was always obvious to me that from a very young age, I had more masculine energy than feminine energy. And before I even dive into what that means in terms of spirituality, I want you to let go of anything you know about being masculine or feminine because people hear masculine and they think like macho and strong and tough and people hear the word feminine and they think pink and soft and girly and those are societal associations to these two words, but the masculine and the feminine come together to create life. Of course, we know this when a man and woman come together. They literally bring life into this world. And in order to create life, you need both. So going back to what I was saying, I grew up from, I think it was age like 13 to 18. I was in a male-dominated environment. I was with my dad and my brother at home. When my parents divorced, my dad took full custody. And that influenced a lot of my programming. There was no room for emotion. There was no room for softness. Like... A lot of the way I was raised was to provide and to seek my own security and to really act from the masculine within me. My dad would consistently drill into my head. You have to make your own money, be independent, survive on your own, and treated me very equal to my brother in everything we did, whether it was race car driving or riding motorcycles, dirt bikes. He always encouraged me to try things and saw me as equal in that sense. And that's great, honestly. I think that a lot of the things I love most about myself come from that upbringing and that mentality that my dad drilled into me to be a hustler and to really be someone who works hard. But I, I very much neglected my feminine side. My feminine side was also the part of me that wanted to cry when I wanted to cry and be sad and feel my emotions fully and rest and not work so hard. And I didn't have that balance at all. And not only did I not have that balance, I saw all of those traits as weaknesses. 
So when I got to this burnout and I realized, oh shit, like I think it's time to work on this. I always avoided doing this work. It was always triggering to me when I would see someone who is very much in her feminine versus her masculine. I was always attracted to male friends and boys, girls, and just not, I, I just was not comfortable in a feminine environment. So I decided I'm going to start reading and understanding this on a deeper level. Maybe it would speak to me in a new way and I would get some practical ways to start making that shift and start creating that balance within myself. Like most great things in life, I actually stumbled upon this chapter. I bought the book Intuition by Osho and I did not expect to find this subject in the book. You will hear eventually that intuition is rooted in your feminine energy, right? So masculine energy is the logic, the rational mind and the intuitive part of us, the emotional part of us comes from our feminine. And, and because of that, there is a chapter in this book called Function from the Feminine. And you guys know that the way I read books is just flipping through them and finding a chapter that speaks to me. So when I was flipping through the chapters and I came across this one at this time, I was like, this is so divine. I have to read this. Obviously, this was perfect timing. This is exactly when I needed this most. And the chapter that I read actually changed my life. Like I read it and I was like, wow, this is the first time I actually understand the importance of this. It gave me permission to lean into traits that are much more natural to me as a woman. And it also helped me see in my clients how some of them were imbalanced one way or the other and how to help them find that balance, whether they were male clients or female clients. Let's let's dive into this chapter. I honestly don't know how much of it to read because it's all so good. I'm gonna try my best to kind of keep it concise and maybe jump to parts that I highlighted and circled. It looks like such a mess because I was enjoying it so much. But this episode might be a little longer and trust me, it is so, so, so worth it to pay attention, to listen and to really just let this in because I'm telling you, this is, this is seriously life-changing information. Okay, so let's begin. Function from the feminine. The Zen master Goso Hoyen used to say, when people ask me what Zen is like, I tell them this story. Noticing that his father was growing old, the son of a burglar asked his father to teach him the trade so that he could carry on the family business after his father retired. The father agreed, and that night they broke into a house together. Opening a large chest, the father told his son to go in and pick out the clothing. As soon as the boy was inside, the father locked the chest and then made a lot of noise so the whole house was aroused. Then he slipped away quietly. Locked inside the chest, the boy was angry terrified and puzzled as to how he was going to get out. Then an idea flashed to him. He made a noise like a cat. The family told a maid to take a candle and examine the chest. When the lid was unlocked, the boy jumped out, blew out the candle, pushed his way past the astonished maid and ran out. The people ran after him. Noticing a well by the side of the road, the boy threw in a large stone then hid in the darkness. The pursuers gathered around the well trying to see the burglar drowning himself. When the boy got home, he was angry with his father and tried to tell him the story. But the father said, don't bother to tell me the details. You are here. You have learned the art. Being is one. The world is many. And between the two is the divided mind, the dual mind. It is just like a big tree, an ancient oak. The trunk is one. And then the tree divides into two main branches. The main purification from which a thousand and one purifications of branches grow. The being is just like the trunk of the tree, one, non-dual. And the mind 
is the first purification where the tree divides into two, becomes dual, becomes dialectal. Thesis and antithesis, man and woman, yin and yang, day and night, God and devil, yoga and zen. All the dualities of the world are basically in the duality of the mind. And between the duality is oneness of being. If you slip below underneath the duality, you will find one. Call it God, call it nirvana, or whatsoever you like. If you go higher through the duality, you come to the millionfold world. This is one of the most basic insights to be understood. That the mind is not one. Hence, whatsoever you see through the mind becomes two. It is just like a white ray entering a prism. It is immediately divided into seven colors and the rainbow is created. Before it entered the prism, it was one. Through the prism, it is divided and the color appears and the white color disappears into the seven colors of the rainbow. The world is a rainbow. The mind is a prism. And the being is the white ray. Modern research has come to a significant fact, one of the most significant achieved in the 20th century, and that is that you don't have one mind. You have two minds. Your brain is divided into two hemispheres, the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. The right hemisphere is joined with the left hand, and the left hemisphere is joined with the right hand, crosswise. The right hemisphere is intuitive, illogical, irrational, poetic, platonic, imaginative, romantic, mythical, religious. And the left hemisphere is logical, rational, mathematical, scientific, calculative. These two hemispheres are constantly in conflict. The basic politics of the world is within you. The greatest politics of the world is within you. You may not be aware of it, but once you become aware, the real thing to be done is somewhere between these two minds. The left hand is concerned with the right hemisphere, intuition, imagination, myth, poetry, religion, and the left hand is also very much condemned. The society is of those who are right-handed. Right-handed means the left hemisphere. 10% of children are born left-handed, but they are forced to be right-handed. Children who are born left-handed are basically irrational, intuitive, non-mathematical, and they are too dangerous for society. So society forces them in every way to become right-handed. It is not just a question of hands. It is a question of inner politics. The left-handed child functions through the right hemisphere, which society cannot allow. It is dangerous, so he has to be stopped before things go too far. It is suspected that in the beginning, the proportion must have been 50-50. Left-handed children, 50%, and right-handed children, 50%. But the right-handed party has ruled so long that by and by, the proportion has fallen to 10% and 90%. Even amongst you here, many will be left-handed, but you may not be aware of it. You may write with the right hand and do your work with the right hand, but in your childhood, you may have been forced to be right-handed. This is a trick. Because once you become right-handed, your left hemisphere starts functioning. The left hemisphere is reason. The right hemisphere is beyond reason. Its functioning is not mathematical. It functions in flashes. It is intuitive, graceful, but irrational. If you understand the division, you will understand many things. The same applies to men and women. Women are right hemisphere people. Men are left hemisphered. 
Men have ruled women for centuries. Now a few women are revolting. In fact, they are just like men. Rational, argumentative, Aristotelian. Because to fight, one has to be calculative. And to fight with men, you have to be like men. Aggressive. That very aggressiveness is shown all over the world in women's liberation. Women who have become part of that liberation movement are very aggressive. They are losing all grace, all that comes out of intuition. Because if you have to fight with men, you have to learn the same trick. If you have to fight with men, you have to fight with the same techniques. Fighting with anybody is dangerous because you become like your enemy. That is one of the greatest problems of humanity. Once you fight with somebody by and by, you have to use the same techniques and the same ways. Then the, enemy may be then the enemy may be defeated, but by the time he has defeated you, you have become your own enemy. The conflict is in man. Unless it is resolved there, it cannot be resolved anywhere else. The politics is within you. It is between the two parts of the mind. This is what George Gurdjieff used to call the crystallization of being. It is nothing but these two minds becoming one, the meeting of the male and the female within, the meeting of the yin and the yang, the meeting of left and right, the meeting of logic and illogic, the meeting of Plato and Aristotle. If you can understand the basic verification in your tree of the mind, then you can understand all the conflict that goes on around and inside of you. The female mind has grace, the male mind has efficiency, and of course, in the long run, if there is a constant fight, the graceful is bound to be defeated and the efficient mind will win because the world understands the language of mathematics, not love. But the moment your efficiency wins over your grace, you have lost something tremendously valuable. You have lost contact with your own being. You may have become very efficient, but you will no longer be a real person. You will become a machine, a robot-like thing, because there is a constant conflict between men and women, they cannot remain separate. They have to get into relationship again and again. But they cannot remain together either. The fight is not outside. The fight is within you. And this is my understanding. Unless you have resolved your inner fight between the right and left hemispheres, you will never be able to be peacefully in love. Never. Because the inner fight will be reflected outside. If you are fighting inside of you and are identified with the left hemisphere, the hemisphere of reason, and you are continuously trying to overpower the right hemisphere, you will try to do the same with the woman you fall in love with. If the woman is continuously fighting her own reason inside, she will continuously fight the man she loves. If the left hemisphere of the brain goes on dominating you, which is again to remind you the masculine, you will live a successful life. So successful that by the time you are 40, you will have ulcers. By the time you are 45, you will have had at least one or two heart attacks. By the time you are 50, you will be almost dead, but successfully dead. You may become a great scientist, but you will never become a great being. You may accumulate enough wealth, but you will lose all that it is worth. You may conquer the whole world like an Alexander, but your own inner territory will remain unconquered. There are many attractions for following the left hemisphere. That is the worldly brain. It is more concerned with things like cars, monies, houses, power, prestige. So I decided that I'm actually going to pause this because I do want to actually continue reading from this chapter for you guys. 
he actually elaborates and goes into the power of tapping into our intuition and into our intelligence versus our intellect. And I promise you the second part is incredible because he really does have to set you up with the context. And once I read the second part to you guys, then I'll talk about how I've incorporated this into my life, my interpretation of it for myself. And I will also share a few stories of how my clients have applied this to their life, how it's really changed their life in very dramatic ways. So I will be back tomorrow with part two of this episode. And if you made it this far, thank you for listening. If you are listening to this episode and enjoying it, and you think someone else needs to hear it, screenshot it, send it to that person. Maybe post it on Instagram and tag me. And if you haven't already, please rate the podcast and leave a review. Thanks again for listening. I will be back tomorrow with part two.